We're going to uh, talk about motherhood today, so if you have a Bible with you, and I hope you do, if you don't, I think there's some in the seats in front of you, or I'm sure the person sitting next to you won't mind if you look over their shoulder. Proverbs 31 is where we're going to be, verses 10 through 31. Abraham Lincoln was born in 1809. He never got to know his biological mother very well because she died when he was a very young child. She died of, from drinking milk that was tainted or poisoned by uh, snake root. It's a flower that grew out there. And, and, and it's actually really sad. The way she got poisoned was she drank milk from a cow that ate that flower. And then it tainted the milk, and she actually died. So when he, he didn't really know his biological mother very well, and they were very poor, as, you, as most of you know, your, your presidential U.S. history. They grew up very poor, and within a year's time, because Lincoln's father had other kids to take care of, and he, was, he needed someone to help him, he went and called on a woman that he knew when they were in, in, in grade school, went back to his hometown. He knew that she had lost her husband recently. She was a widower through the cholera epidemic. She had become a widow. And so he approached, imagine this in this day and age. He knocked on a door and reintroduced himself, reacquainted themselves, then told her that he was there to take care of her debts, that, that her husband's debts. She was, she was in debt as well. And he was going to take care of those. And would she marry him? <laughs> and so... So she said yes, that she would, and he packed her up and took her back to their home where she began to take care of the, the, the Lincoln's children. And Abraham Lincoln developed a very, very, very close relationship with this woman. In fact, he called her, not only did he call her mother, he called her his angel mother because he felt like God had sent her to fill a horrible empty void in his life that he had, that he had been that he didn't have a mother and and she was there and taking the place of of his biological mother and there to care for them she immediately started whipping things into shape they lived in a house with a dirt floor she said no i'm not raising kids on a dirt floor you get a wooden floor in this house. So she started just taking care of them and, and making a difference in their lives. And Lincoln developed a really close relationship with his angel mother. She saw in him something extraordinary. She saw potential in him when really no one else saw it. She recognized that there was something special about him. And even though she was illiterate herself, she did everything she could to get books into his hands because he would just he had this voracious appetite for reading he would read it and he would take it in and he would talk to her about the things that he was learning after his father died lincoln supported her he he bought her a a, a piece of land and he continued to take care of her she saw a diamond in abraham when everyone else saw just a rough, 
gangly, awkward, poor boy. She said, Sarah said that his mind and mine, and listen to the humility of this quote, she said, his mind and, and mine, what little I had, seemed to run together. They were kindred spirits. She gave him love and kindness and encouragement, and in return, he gave her the same. He once told a relative that she had been his best friend in the whole world and that no son in the world could love a mother more than he loved her. Famously, he's quoted by saying, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my mother. All that I am, he said, or hope to be, I owe to my mother. How much we owe to our mothers. How much you owe your mom. How much these kids that just disappeared down into BG Kids don't realize they owe to you, their mothers. Our theme today, we don't do this often on Mother's Day, but we're doing it today. Our theme today is motherhood. What an important topic it is. And if the topic's important, you can be sure that God has something to say about it. If the topic is important enough, you can be sure that the Bible has something to say about it. And if God has something to say about motherhood, and the Bible has something to say about motherhood, then we should try to understand what God and in His Word say about the topic. Here is a text a very famous one, that speaks very broadly to the issue of the excellent wife, the excellent woman, we're going to apply it to motherhood, which I think is a fair application. Let's look at the text, though. Let's read it, and then we'll, we'll dig in. Proverbs 31, uh, beginning in verse 10, and, and we'll... Read through the end of the the book of Proverbs there. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night, and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom 
and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Lord, on this Mother's Day 2019, we pr- I pray, Lord, that You would, by Your Spirit now, accomplish all the things that my, my sermon can't do on its own. I, I and we need You, Spirit of God, to take the words of truth and apply them to our hearts and our situation. Lord, I pray here for women who desire to be mothers but haven't been able to. I pray that Your Spirit would comfort them right now. Lord, I pray for people who are sitting here who have, who had or have a real difficult relationship with their mother. I pray that You would give them something now for their soul. Lord, I pray that You would cause, for many of us, gratitude to well up in our hearts when we think about what our moms have done. Lord, I pray that You would instruct us even that we would know how to pray for our moms as a result of listening to Your Word. Lord, I pray for moms, even as Andrea shared earlier, for any mom here who is feeling discouraged, who reads this text and thinks, oh, I fall so far short. Lord, I pray that You would comfort them by the grace of our Lord Jesus and that You would motivate us as we think about Your promises us. What you command, you always give. So Lord, I pray that you would give grace. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Proverbs ends with a family scene. This is the end of the book. And it ends with this family episode. And even though we might not understand it culturally, I think we can agree that it's an impressive family scene. It's even a heartwarming family scene that we see here. And at the center of God's description of the ideal family is a strong woman with a wide range of capabilities and gifts of God-honoring virtues who is fully engaged and involved and all the challenges that everyday life brings. That's what's described here. The glowingly positive message is told, obviously, from, the, from an ancient Near Eastern perspective, and it's told specifically from, by the words of King Lemuel. You'll see in the beginning of Proverbs 31 that this is a proverb 
written by King Lem Lemuel, and, and it's things that he learned from observing his mother. There's an oracle, this is an oracle that his mother taught him. So, so these are, this is his perspective. This is why I say it's fair to speak about motherhood in using this passage because King Lemuel is speaking, ending the book of Proverbs, um, and, and it has become God's inerrant word inspired by his spirit, and he is teaching us things that his mother taught him. Here is the value of a woman, of a mother, highlighted. If you, if you want to know how to pray, using, I've been thinking about prayer a lot and how Scripture should guide our prayer. So, so I hope you'll use that, uh, the simple way to pray on the back of the liturgy cards. But Scripture should inform how we pray. How should we pray for our moms? How should we pray for our wives? How should we pray for our daughters? This is a great Scripture to use. It's right here. You can use it as a guide for prayer. This is a wise family. This Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It ends with a picture of a wise family. They're a wise family that sees what really matters. They're wise enough to see through the false glories that eventually disappoint. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Our culture loves women for their physical beauty and, and seeks to objectify them for their physical attraction. But what the proverb gets at here is this. If you only love a woman for her beauty, then when her beauty fades, so will your love. God is giving us a portrait here of what he finds incredibly and amazingly beautiful. And it can't be seen on the outside. It's things that take place inwardly. And so these, what are laid before us, are virtues that God wants us all to be wise about. He wants us to be wise about what really matters. And this life of wisdom is for everyone. It's not just for Sunday, but for every aspect of the daily challenges of life. And, and contrary to what you might think, God's wisdom is not what, what I think the culture might think about it. You say, this is God's view on womanhood. Oh, now, now I know what you're talking about. Something archaic, something old, something old-fashioned. Something severe, something strict. And what we see here, just a plain reading of this text, is not severe. It's not strict. It's serious, but it's not strict in manner. It's not severe in attitude. It's not strict in appearance. It's not grim. It's not forbidding, but it's actually attractive with a sincere enjoyment that flows from one human heart to another. That's what we see 
here. This life of wisdom matters forever. God wants us to understand what he's put here. So here's my organizing structure. Here's how we'll go through this. I want to offer from the text four virtues of motherhood. Four virtues of motherhood for which we should all be thankful. And should pray for in our moms. So if you're looking at the liturgy, it was titled, Five Things We Should Pray for Moms on Mother's Day. You can see that it kind of the message morphed as I was developing it. I want to emphasize this idea of gratitude and thanks, which then can easily be turned into prayers. Here's the challenge, though. This is what I've been thinking. This is the tension I've been feeling all week. How do you take a message like this on motherhood? Four things, four virtues for which we should all be thankful for in our moms. How do we take that and apply to apply that to everybody how how is this supposed to to address every single situation now i feel tension over that because i because i i want everybody to feel like you're engaged in this and so that's why i'm praying that the spirit of god will apply this to whatever your situation is i think though that these are things for which we should be thankful. And even if your mom, in your estimation, didn't reach very high on the scale of these four virtues, my guess is there's something for which you can be thankful for. There's something. When you think about your mom, for which you can be thankful. No doubt, though, we are offered here a high standard. Let's look at four virtues. Four virtues of motherhood for which we should be thankful and should pray for in our moms. I'll give, I'll give you all four, and then we'll walk through them, and I'll show you where I see them in the text. The first is hard work. That's a virtue. Hard work. Second, generosity. Third, wisdom. Fourth is love. These are the four virtues. Hard work, generosity, wisdom, and love. Let's get going with hard work. It's all over this text. Let me just show you some of it. She brings her food from afar. She provides for her household. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. A lot of, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of talk here, and especially in the ancient Near East, of meal. This is a lot of meal preparation, a lot of meal planning. See, we, we take all this for granted because we'll go over to Wegmans this, this afternoon to, to give mom the day off from cooking, and we can go into any country we want in Wegmans. We can eat any we can eat of diverse ethnic foods over Wegmans. What are you feeling? You know, the whole family can eat in different countries today. Like, some people will be eating Mexican food. Some people will be eating Chinese food. Some people will be eating Southern barbecue. We have, we have it all. That's not what they had in the ancient Near East, though. It was like, like, Whatever it was, but it was the same thing over and over again, my guess is. You know, 
It wasn't like oatmeal again, Mom. But she's working always trying to keep everybody fed, taking care of them, bringing it from afar, providing. She works hard. She doesn't eat the bread. Even that's an interesting reference to food there. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. She's always working. And one of the ways in which she works is in her, is in her taking care of them and feeding the family. Now, I don't know how it works in your family. I'm not one of these people that says, like, like one spouse or the other has to do all the cooking. Like, some guys love to cook, and that's great. In the Lynch household, I'm just going to tell you how it works. Not, not, because, not because we decided on this. It was just like the way it happened. Amy has made, basically, like I could subtract, say, if you put the number of meals that she has made in 25 years of marriage and subtract 20, you get, <laughs> mine, you get all the meals that she has made Minus the 20 that I have made. I'm just not like, I'm just not good at that. Like the kids laugh. Like they know when mom goes away, dad goes and buys more boxes of cereal. And the kind they really want to eat. I, I remember once when, when Amy and I made a decision. I think I've told you, church, this story before. But we made a decision. This was probably like 10, 15 years ago. We were sitting and talking, and she was saying, hey, why don't you um, just try to get a little better at cooking? And so I was like, all right, what do you have in mind? She said, why don't we just do this? Why don't you just do this? Why don't you just take responsibility for the, the meal? But you have to cook it. You can't go out and buy it. You have to cook it just once a month, once a month. So I thought, you know, by the end of this time, I will have, you know, by the end of a year, I will have cooked 12 meals for the family. And it was, guys, it was hilarious. Like, I can remember we sat down. This is when we only had, like, one child, and, and, and it was me and Amy. And, and I, I, I got a recipe book out, and I decided to make these things. I think they were called pinwheel steaks or something. And I was really, like, I was hype. Like, I was getting everything. I was rolling the dough out, getting everything ready, and then uh, dinner time came, and I set the pinwheel steaks on the plates, and we sat down to, to, to dinner, and Amy just looked and said, like, this looks great, but is there anything else, like a vegetable, like any, it's like, no, I didn't, I didn't think of that, like, I, it was all I could do to get these pinwheel steaks done, you're not grateful for this? This experiment did not last long, so I made, I think I was generous when I said 20. I, I don't know how many meals I made, but that little experiment didn't last long. If my, my kids will be here in the second service, my boys have their mom to thank for all of the meals she's made and all of the work that she has done for them. Moms are like air. They're like oxygen. You take them for granted until the supply gets cut off. I noticed something as my kids went to college. A little more appreciation for mom. As kids get older, a little more 
appreciation for mom. It happens automatically. She's working hard, though. It says that she rises while it's still night. That's a picture of hard work, right? The only people I know who rise while it's still night are dairy farmers. Nobody rises while it's still night much around here. It says her lamp doesn't go out at night. It's hyperbole. But it's saying she's up all night. Like she works all day, and then she works late at night. Everybody else is going to bed. Her lamp, you still see her lamp on. And then before you get up in the morning, she's already beat you up. She's already, she's already going. You see, church, one of the things you observe about Brandywine Grace is all these young mothers. I want this, I want this passage of Scripture to motivate you. But I want it to... I want it to you to see what you're already realizing. Being a mom is hard work. I did a little Google search to see how many diapers you guys are going to change. Do you know, do you know that, that on average, so this is an average, people actually do this. I, I, I found a blog of a mom who counted how many diapers she used for her first kid. This is what you'll use on average. 2,200 the first year. A lot more diaper usage going on. Second year, 1,800. And most people keep their kids in diapers for about two and a half years. So you got 22 and 800 and, and then 900 for that half a year. 5,000 diapers per year or per kid two and a half years. So if you were, some of these people were holding two kids. 10,000 diapers that I'm sure dad's going to change some of them. I'm sure the older teenagers in the family are going to change some of them. But it's mom, right, that changes a lot of those diapers. It's hard work. When I think of hard work, the idea of strength should, should be here, should be used here. It says that she, this woman does some amazing things. How many of you moms are working a real estate agency on the side? She considers a field and buys it. <laughs> There's a nice field. Hey, they're all sitting around at dinner. What'd you do today, honey? Well, I took care of everything, but I also bought a, a plot of land. You did? And you don't get the sense that the, that the husband's like, why didn't you ask me? Now, you should talk about that. But the sense is that he trusts her so much to do good by their family that she's making financial investments. She's, she's buying fields and considering how to make improvement, and the Scripture says she's making a profit on it. She's strong. This is a strong-minded woman. This is a woman who's extremely capable. She's hard at work. She dresses, it says, she dresses herself with strength. She makes her arms strong. She's not afraid of anything, not even bad weather like snow. She's not afraid. This is a strong woman. Don't mess with her. She's hard at work. It's one of the four virtues of motherhood for which we should be thankful. Have you thanked your mom recently 
for all of her hard work for you. It doesn't matter how old you are. I'm thinking about this for my mom. Thinking about all the, hard, the, the work that she did for me. It's appropriate for me, at least on Mother's Day, to say thanks for that. To be grateful for that. How can you pray for your mom? Pray that God would help her to work hard. Because that's a virtue that God desires to see. It's a virtue that God honors. So pray that God would give her strength. Pray that God would give her grace. The challenge for moms sitting here is, wow, there's an expectation that I would work hard. I don't like that. It is the expectation, but God gives grace to whatever he commands. He wants us all to be hard workers, and then he gives us grace to be hard workers. That's the, that's the first virtue. Second one, generosity. And by the word generosity, I'll show, I'm including this idea of sacrifice, which hard work is sacrificial, but, but I, I'm, I'm using the word generosity, and, and I'm taking it from this idea. The, 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 the word, the phrase used here by King Lemuel, Lemuel is that she looks well to her family. Like she's, she's not just kind of basically taking care of needs. Like she's looking at what you need, you need, you need, and she's meeting those needs. She's doing it in a way that's thoughtful, in a way that's generous, and clearly sacrificial. Where is the idea of sacrifice? Well, not only does she look to the needs of her family, but she looks outside of her family. This, this is, you want a, a, a portrait of the ultimate woman? Here she is. She's buying fields. She's taking care of needs, taking care of the family. The family's needs are all met. The family feels well-loved. They love her. There's this harmony that's taking place. But not only that, she looks outside of her family. The Scripture says she opens her hands to the poor. She reaches out to the needy. Not only She's consumed with everything that she has to do for her family, but she has time to look outside her window and see people who are in need and say, here, I want to help you. This is another way of saying she lives on mission. She lives missionally. We talk about this all the time. This is what, what Jairus just quoted when he was talking about that missional motherhood. She's on mission in her home. She's on mission outside of her home. I am so grateful for so many young women and older women in this church who are looking to the needs of their family but looking outside of the needs of their family. I can think of so many illustrations of how you guys are doing this. You're, concern, you're actually concerned about other people. God loves that. That's a virtue that he admires. Just talking to one, one of the young moms in the church recently, and she was just sharing with a, a larger group of leaders how she's got these people in her neighborhood um, that are saying things like, why don't, and many of them are not Christians, why don't we all get together on a regular basis? to spend time together, to talk about spiritual things, to read our Bible. People are coming to her in the neighborhood asking for those things. And so they are organizing their summer schedule, busy family life, a lot of kids. They're organizing their summer schedule so that the spiritual needs of others in their neighborhood could be met as well. That's admirable. 
God loves that. How can you thank your mom today for all the sacrifices she made for you? She was so generous to you. Listen, even if you have a strained, and I know there's people in here, there's a group this large, there's people in here who have a strained relationship with, with your mom, maybe. Or maybe something happened in your relationship that's really hard to get over. Even, even in that, can't we be thankful for something that she did that represented work in caring for you? She gave birth to you. That's a labor in and of itself. No, no man in here would do it for you. There's something for which we can be thankful. Let's think about how our moms have been generous. Let's pray that God would give them the, the strength to be sacrificial and generous towards us and towards others. Third virtue, wisdom. Wisdom. I'm using wisdom and, and counsel. Where do we see that? She opens her mouth, it says, and what comes out? Wisdom. She opens her mouth and wisdom comes out. She laughs at the days to come. She's so confident in God and his word that someone said, here comes trial, and she laughs. She's, she's confident in God. She's confident in his capacity and his ability. So trials, though they may cause discomfort, don't ultimately shake her confidence because her confidence is in God. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So... She opens her mouth and good stuff comes out. She opens her mouth and you ought to write it down. She opens her mouth and you would do well to pay attention to it. Moms, your kids are paying attention to it even though it doesn't seem like they are. These are deposits that are made. You don't realize this is an investment that you get your return on 20 years from now. You, I know. I've, I, I have kids. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to, to go to bed at the end of the day and feel like, my goodness, nobody getting anything around here. Everybody just expects me to work, 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 work. My lamp's still on, and I'm getting up early in the morning, and no one appreciates it. You've ever felt that? You will. God wants you to see that your investment is going to bear fruit over time. Your kids will say thanks one day if they're not total idiots. <laughs> they just can't see it yet. All those words, all, those, all the instruction. She looks well. The teaching of kindness is on time. I thought there's an application here. Isn't it true, though, that the teaching of kindness is not always on your t tongue, young moms, older moms? Isn't it true? This is a, this is a picture like, like maybe the Proverbs 31 woman always has kindness on her tongue, but sometimes I got a criticism. I'm sure she did too. How do I know that? Because she was a sinner in need of grace. And the Scripture tells us that her confidence was in her fear of the Lord, not in her own abilities. This is not a woman that goes around doing seminars to tell everybody to be like me. 
She's saying, look to God, look to what's important for him, and ask him for grace to do it. She looks well to their moral habits. She's watching over their manners, their habits, their connections, their influences. She's giving biblical instruction. She's giving religious instruction. She's helping them to learn the Bible. She's giving time to the study of God's Word personally so that she actually has something to offer her kids and the community. The love that governs her heart is the love that governs her tongue. The love that governs her heart is the love that governs her mind. The love that governs her heart is the love that governs her actions. Jesus, God, governs her heart. And so he ultimately rules and reigns over everything that she does. That's wisdom. Last one, love. Last virtue. So, so backing up, let's, let's ask this question. How can we be thankful for the wisdom and the counsel that our moms have given to us over the years? How should we be thankful? And how could we be praying more that God would give our moms wisdom and a love for Jesus and a love for Jesus' word that would result in fruit being and glory being brought to His name? Fourth is love. Don't you marvel sometimes over a mom's ability to love. Have you ever heard this phrase, that's a face only a mother could love? <laughs> you see, there's a, there's a truth there in this. You see it, right? Mom's, a mom's love goes so deep. I see it in my wife. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a willingness to embrace sacrifice for kids that I don't see equal in myself. I just don't see it. Like it's the end of the day now. My, my to-do list is done. The kids need something. Kids on their own now. I did my duty. But and I see in Amy a willingness. Get out of bed and take care of something. To... to to just to continue to make sacrifice. The energy that I have watched her expend, not just physical energy, that's hard work. I'm talking about the emotional energy that moms spend over their kids. You, you, the moms that were standing up here, you got young kids, you have no idea how kids are going to bring you great joy and break your heart. They cause you emotional trial. I've seen, I've, I've woken up in the middle of the night and could tell that Amy was awake. Are you awake? Yeah. And you can tell by someone's voice, right, that they're really wide awake. You, you awake? Yeah. What are you doing? I'm thinking about the kids. I'm worried about this. I'm wondering about this. I'm praying about this. I'm trying to go to God on this. It's emotional energy. Can't even sleep. The lamp was on till late at night, and when the lamp went off, still couldn't go to sleep. Still. My kids, my family, on my mind. It's a virtue. The love of a mother is a virtue for which we all should be thankful. Are you thankful 
When's the last time you told your mom that you're thankful for her love? Rudyard Kipling, famous author, said this, God could not be everywhere, and therefore he made mothers. Now, I love, the, I love that statement. It's total heresy. In, in the sense that God can be everywhere. But you see what he's driving at, right? He's driving at this idea of the value of a mother. That one of the ways in which God has shown you love is through your loving mother. We should be thankful for this. What has your mom given you through energy that she spent? Do you have, have you thought like Lincoln that who you are, I could trace back to something that my mom has done? Have you ever thought about that? What do you have? What ability, what thing do you enjoy is the result of your mother pouring energy into your life and love into your life? What came to my, my mind this week that I was very grateful for I was not a, by any means, a good student. I think I could have been, but I wasn't. And could have been don't matter. I didn't score high on the SAT. I don't think I'm the dumbest guy in the world, but I didn't score high on the SAT. My family didn't value formal education in the sense that I think it should be valued and in the sense that we're trying to value it for our kids. But my mom loved books, loved reading. And from a very young age, she read to me over and over and over again. Books, I I could never count the number of books that we read. And when I learned to read, One of her favorite things to do was to sit and listen to me read to her. I read my mom so many books. We traveled adventures. We went all over the world together through those books. Absolutely. (laughs) P.D. Eastman, great book. If you've never read it to your kids, you should get that. I must have used that in an illustration once. She read the Bible to me. I read the Bible to her. We read and we talked. We read and we dreamed. And you can have you can have straight A's and not make a bit of a difference at all in the world. You can have a love of reading and books and be a self-learner and you can go far in life. And my mom gave me that. And I have that to be thankful for. What about you? What did, what did your mom give you? How did she spend energy for you for which you can be th- thankful? Scripture says, far more precious than jewels, a mom's love has made the difference. So we're talking about four virtues of motherhood for which we should be thankful and we should pray for on our moms. Hard work, generosity, wisdom, and love. Now I want to end by asking, and I've already touched on this, who could do these things? Who could work so hard? Who could be so generous? Who could be so wise? Who could be so loving? 
ultimately, it's a standard you can't keep. Who's sufficient for these things? We're not. Even the excellent wife is not sufficient in her own strength. Her hope is in the fact that she fears the Lord. Her ultimate regard, her ultimate regard is for the Lord. Her ultimate hope is that Jesus will make her into these things. Is that your hope this morning? If you're laboring to try to be these things apart from God's grace, you are going to feel disappointed at times. You're going to feel burnt out. It's the grace of God. It's, it's Jesus being your Savior, hanging there on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve, His perfect life, and then His death in our place, and then rising again, and then ascending to the Father. It's the power of the Gospel that helps us to be people we never could be on our own. We should want these things, but we can't achieve them apart from grace. You seeing that this morning? Here is what God calls us to, and what He calls us to, He gives us grace to do. What He commands, He gives. Lincoln said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my mother. Maybe we would say it this way. All that I am or hope to be, I owe to Jesus and the work that He was doing in my mother to help me be the person that He's called to be. Let's have on this Mother's Day 2019 gratitude in our hearts for these virtues that leads to prayers for these moms that we love. Amen?